It's time to get your orange on because it is game day as the Oklahoma A&M Aggies set to take on the Texas A&M Aggies in the Texas Bowl. I guess you could call it the Aggie Bowl, former Aggie Bowl, former Big 12 Bowl. You could call this a multitude of things. But if you read the Texas A&M websites and you listen to all the quote-unquote SEC experts out there, let's just go ahead and call this the Delusional Bowl. That's what I'm seeing. You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl-related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen. We're available on all of your podcasting platforms, visually as well on YouTube. Find me personally on Twitter, at AllDayOState. Today, we are partially brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment matter more. Get in on the betting action today, because we're going to hammer the over on FanDuel.com slash LockedOn the official partner of the NFL. Speaking of the NFL, Texas A&M has a decent number of dudes that are going to the NFL. Oklahoma State doesn't typically have a lot, which is precisely why the idea that this is more of a you know star ranking versus a culture game, it's very applicable. But at the same time, the delusion within the SEC is pretty remarkable. And whether you go look at whether it's just a Texas A&M site, you know, like Aggie Land, or if you go look at like 247 on three, some of the different publications that are talking about this Texas Bowl, even today, as of 12 hours ago, you're, you're still hearing that Texas A&M is going to be better than Oklahoma State. Okay, so the delusion here, it either resides in me or all these people that are trying their hardest to pump up this Texas A&M squad. Now, I do kind of hope that the beginning part of this game is slightly close, simply because of, of eyeballs, viewership. I want people tuned in to watch this game, of course. It's an SEC versus Big 12 matchup. It's a former Big 12 team against a current Big 12 team. It's a former Aggie against a current Aggie. So there's more than enough out there to kind of keep the storylines suited. But I just, I cannot believe that there's people that get paychecks to say some of this stuff. Yes, Texas A&M was tops in the SEC in sacks and tackles for loss. Yes, from a size perspective, they were considerably bigger than a lot of the other SEC teams they went up against. That was when they still had Walter Nolan. That was when they still had McKinley Jackson. That's when they still had Fadil Diggs. That's when they still had Edron Cooper. This is a culture-defining style of win for us. But it also should be an eye-opener for everybody out there that wants to keep up this idea, this fallacy, that this Texas A&M roster is still better than Oklahoma State's. Now, they do still have some dudes, so we're going to highlight some of the matchups that are still going to be pretty, not only important, but worth taking a look at. This isn't just having a conversation with the idea that 
Texas A&M's backup players are going to be better than Oklahoma State. So whenever we're talking about this culture versus this the star ratings and all the money and all that fun jazz, that's basically what all this is, is posturing. This is SEC posturing. Which, again, if it's for viewership and eyeballs, bring it on. But if there's realistically people out there that can watch the game of football and watch a considerable amount of film, especially this season, and you're going to take into consideration that uh, you're losing all these dudes. Matter of fact, that's another thing we got to clear up. Uh, I was reading an article just a couple hours ago from a Texas A&M site that was still listing some of the Oklahoma State players as opt-outs that might not play. Let's put that that bed to rest right now, okay? Yes, Ollie Gordon's going to play. Kendall Daniels playing. Colin Oliver playing. Nick Martin playing. Because we don't have the same problem as Texas A&M. Because we kind of care more about the name on the front of the jersey than the name on the back of the jersey. See, we don't have the same Texas A&M problems. Texas A&M you don't even need to have anything on the front of your jersey because everybody that's there is there for dollar-dollar bills. They're there for clout. They're there for the SEC attention. Well, guess what? They are getting it. They're getting this SEC attention because a mid-level SEC school is supposed to be considerably better than Oklahoma State. Even with missing all of those defensive linemen, there's a 247 Texas A&M article this morning that said that the backup defensive linemen that will be playing for Texas A&M tonight are much more athletically gifted than Oklahoma State's starting offensive linemen. And then they started talking about how Oklahoma State's offensive linemen like Dalton Cooper are much more suited for the zone blocking scheme. So some of our offensive linemen are all that productive because they don't even fit with the system that we're trying to run with Ollie Gordon. And is Ollie Gordon going to be the Ollie Gordon we saw all year? Is the Ollie Gordon from Texas going to show up? Well, the Ollie Gordon from Texas is not broken anymore. The Ollie Gordon that showed up to Texas probably honestly shouldn't have been playing in the game, but because he's a cowboy and he cares as much about the name on the front as the name on the back, he did come out and play. So it is delusional to think that Oklahoma State is just so inept. I know our recruiting numbers are not great, but we also know that we have the number one strength and conditioning coach in America. So we don't necessarily need all of the numbers, okay? You don't need all of that. It's all about production. Our guys that are producing are coming back. You've got 14 dudes that account for over 300 snaps gone out of this game. Not to mention, Elijah Robinson, your interim head coach, is supposedly helping recruit Syracuse players while he's at A&M. Now, does that mean he's trying to recruit current A&M Aggies to go with him to Syracuse, or does it mean he's using his connections in the Texas A&M recruiting realm to try to persuade some of the guys to go to Syracuse? I don't know. He's saying that he's 100% focused on this game. Now, Texas A&M can still win, all right? This is the, the wonderful game of football. And they do have a pretty athletic quarterback. This is the same athletic quarterback that got in a five-way quarterback competition at Fresno State and decided that he would rather come to Texas A&M than to deal with the, the Fresno State quarterback battle. Now, I'm sure everything was so difficult at, at Fresno State that Texas A&M looked like an easier path, 
and now you now you get your wish. Now, if you go back and watch the last couple games, there's not a whole lot of times where Jalen Henderson, the Fresno State quarterback, you know, gets a lot of game time action. But if you go look and see the games that he did have, it's slightly underwhelming. If you go back and look at the Fresno State stuff, guess what the, the clips are? It's all spring stuff. For the most part, it's all practice highlights. So he's kind of hard to navigate when it comes to the, the film side of the game. But athletic quarterbacks will always be a problem for everybody because it takes away your, your numerical advantages, traditionally speaking, on defense. But they're even missing a few offensive linemen. This is delusional for these people to, the day of the game, continue to keep saying that A&M is better on, on, on a roster than Oklahoma State. It's delusional, and I hope that our Cowboys go out and prove that is 100% delusional because what they're going off of is the fact that all of these backups are four- or five-star guys, too. Because they were ranked so highly out of high school or they walked in the building at six foot four, 305 pounds, that, that just automatically means they're going to get this W. It's delusional, and I hope that we send a very clear message in this game. I do think... It should stay kind of close at first, at least for viewership and eyeballs. But I think the second half should be a big boat racing contest where Oklahoma State does a lot of the boat racing. So, yes, we do hammer the over here. And, yes, I'm telling you to hammer the over on this game. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what would be even better is if A&M can find a way to start the game with a score, right? If they go up 7-0, then you definitely are hammering the over on the Cowboys. And make sure you go to FanDuel to do that. Because FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook betting partner for a reason. They are the official partner of the NFL for a reason. And you need to make sure that the reasoning for you is keeping your wallet hot as the weather gets colder. Right now, our new customers get $150 back in bonus bets with any $5 money line winning bet. Again, that's 150 bones back in your wallet if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining, get in on it now, y'all. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. You already know there's a wide range of betting options. That include player props, over-unders, spreads, who's going to win the Heisman, who's going to win the Super Bowl, and many, many more. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to kick off your NFL money-making season. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Go there now because FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. So although they are missing a considerable amount of dudes, I do still recognize that they've got some guys that have some talent. And we talk about this 
you know, the five-star talent recruiting, all of that versus the cowboy culture style of game. I just think we should start off with the AM Aggie that probably encompasses a lot of the cowboy culture. And that is Max Wright. Guys, this tight end, I mean, we've had some trouble with some tight ends, right? Which is probably why this is even kicked up a little bit of an extra notch here. But Max Wright is a very, very, very good tight end. He's a tight end that we'll likely see playing at the next level. And at six foot four, 265 pounds, he's got all of the intangibles. Not to mention that while a lot of his buddies are leaving for this game, he's like a fifth year guy that is wanting to play in this game because he thinks it matters. It matters how he goes out of his career at AM, just like it mattered how he came into his career at AM. So this dude does in fact uh, have the morals and integrity and everything that you look for to be part of the Cowboy culture. So Max Wright is a senior tight end that we're definitely going to have our hands full with because tight ends have been a little bit tricky for us this, this season. And especially when you, when you take in consideration that Xavier Benson, sometimes he does very good at clearing up some areas of operation for Nick Martin to work with, but there's times on occasion that getting beat out in the flats is, is a thing. It's not as troublesome as maybe a Trey Rucker, but that's a matchup to watch. What Max Wright can do whenever he's out in the flats and up in the seams is going to make Trey Rucker's job a little bit more difficult. So I think that would be a matchup that we could definitely watch for that would have an upside for Texas A&M. Sticking on the offensive side of the ball, the only really returning wide receivers they have are Moose Muhammad and Jaday Walker. Now, Jaday Walker has a lot of talent, uh, but he also has like six or seven drops over the latter half of the season. And Moose Muhammad is a pretty good slot receiver. He's nothing like Brennan Presley. Other than the fact that they get to yell Moose every time he catches the ball, it's it's not something to be super concerned about. So, you know, is Janae Walker going to drop a bunch of passes? Maybe. But it will be interesting to see if Corey Black's 100% ready to rock and roll, what that matchup's going to look like, because he's probably going to be one of their main targets. I mean, probably he's going to be their main target, especially when it comes to trying to take the top off of the defense. And if that's the case, then uh, I kind of like what we have with, with Corey Black. Because Corey Black, although he does get, get by with some ticky-tacky stuff here and there, when it comes to separation, he doesn't typically allow a lot of separation. So if you're not able to 50-50, then you're going to have a, a rough day. And although Jade Walker is a good wide receiver, he has a propensity to drop the ball here and there. Uh, if you want to talk about the offensive line, it, it's going to be a mix and mash, right? Uh, Mark Nabu is going to be is going to be in there after getting a touchdown against LSU. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's always nice to see a big dude get into the end zone, but. I, I just I think that this one is a little bit of a wash, right? Because defensive line hasn't necessarily been our strength this season, but with them missing a few offensive linemen, I know that these backups are four star, five star guys. I get that, but um, I just I do not see them able to shut down Justin Kirkland or Colin Clay on the interior for the entirety of the day. So I think that that would be another matchup to watch out for when it comes to running back, right? Um, Amari Daniels was number two on the team. 
He's a four-star out of Florida. Rushed for like 452, some odd yards like that, almost 500 yards. He's pretty good. Five foot nine, 185 pounds. Same with Reuben Owens, the other running back that they're going to be uh, showing off. I think uh, Le'Veon Moss is more of their, their big body bruiser type of guy. But it's going to be a little bit by committee, which is understandable. All right, another highlight is going to be Jalen Henderson. That's right. The quarterback that transferred from Fresno State that we just talking about. I don't feel like I'm knocking him per se, but I did read that there was like a five-way competition for, at Fresno State for a quarterback battle. And instead of being embroiled in that, he decided to leave and come to Texas A&M. Now, when you look at the six foot three, two hundred twenty pound product, he's obviously got size. He does have some athleticism. He will break out um, and, and run every now and again. That's kind of, I would say, what he's looking to do. He can put some zip on the ball. Now, I'm not saying that he's incompetent when it comes to throwing, but. In the middle of the field, he does typically have some issues, it appears, is is in identifying the linebackers, which leads to a little bit of a propensity to maybe get some interceptions, right? And then if you're able to stretch the, the offense out east to west, like LSU was, you kind of negate some of Jalen Henderson's ability to take off and run downfield. I just... As, as much shade as I think you can throw sometimes at Alan Bowman, Alan Bowman is a better quarterback than Jalen Henderson by a considerable amount. Is Alan Bowman going to take off and run like Jalen? No. And it, that's always what makes this thing a little tricky. Anytime you have a mobile quarterback, he by himself can get it to where you numerically no longer have the advantage on certain sides of the field in a given play, right? So you always have to be mindful of that because then you have to have a spy occasionally, especially if it's in the RPO game, which they do a, a decent amount of as well. The RPO game and Jalen Henderson against Nick Martin. Really? That's a, that's a, w, that's a w all day, every day. And then uh, let's jump over the defensive side of the ball. Um. Guys, you know, I, I watched and filmed the free safety. was pretty good, but number 26, but he gone, right? Um, now, it, when it comes to guys they do have that you got to pay attention to, uh, Shamar Turner, he does have 10 and a half tackles for loss. He is still a mountain of an individual to try to stop at 290 pounds, but he also has a lot of quickness, a lot of versatility. So if, if they want to talk about Dalton Cooper not being – the best offensive lineman suited for our system. I want to see what Dalton Cooper's able to do to Shamar Turner. If people want to question that Dalton Cooper may or may not have the ability to shut this dude down, I can't wait to see it in action. So give me Shamar Turner on Dalton Cooper. We talked a little bit about um, the the free safety, Damani Richardson. We don't know a lot about the backup, Jared Kerr, right? So it's going to be kind of uh, difficult to to put a stamp on that. Now, when it comes to linebacker, I think we definitely, definitely win out there. But they've got two freshmen that are going to be starting at linebacker. And they really, 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 really like both of them. Javon Thomas, he's another four-star. Matter of fact, coming out of the Dallas, Texas area, he was ranked as one of the top 25 players in the entire state of Texas. So he's a pretty talented fella. And then on the other side, 
They've got Torian Wilt, York. Torian York is another freshman who uh, they have seen grow throughout the entire of the season. He's really good about calling off of the defensive, uh, the, the checks and what they need to switch to. And for a freshman, that's pretty impressive. But I, I'd say JBL Thomas and Torian York, both of them combined are not going to be enough to stop Ollie Gordon. Will Ollie Gordon average 6.2 yards carry? Yes, he will. Will Ollie Gordon go over his typical 130 yards? I think so. They're just they're going to have a hard time. And in the secondary, there's not really much to highlight, guys. There's not. I think uh, I think Javon Thomas is going to get picked on. So give me Javon Thomas against Leon Johnson. Leon Johnson is going to put up over a hundo on this young man, and Torian York's just not going to have. Uh, he's not going to have a chance to stop Ollie Gordon. All right, like that's that's about the the long and the short of it. They just they don't have the dudes. And the dudes they do have, I don't know that are playing for the same style of reasons the Oklahoma State players are. Which brings us around to the keys to victory. Keys to victory. Just show up and put on a uniform, and you got a W. Okay, okay. I'm being slightly disingenuous there. But realistically speaking, guys, if our Cowboys play our game, Texas A&M, I don't care if every backup they have is a four-star, five-star dude, right? I know that they're going to be leaning more towards some of the five-star youngsters like DJ Hicks to come in on the defensive line and kind of shore some of the departures up. I mean, Albert Regis has been a backup nose tackle, but he's been forced into a role where he's playing a little bit more, so he's not exactly a backup anymore. But if we do what we're supposed to do and we send a message, that message needs to be obviously with strength. Our offensive line needs to come out ugly, dirty, mean, nasty. You've been hearing for weeks about how AM's backup defensive line is better than all of your starters at Oklahoma State. So if you're an offensive lineman, you should be on a mission here. That's key to victory number one. Our offensive lineman needs to control their defensive line. I don't care how fast and nimble and how many stars they had in high school. Typically, if they were the best players on the team, they'd have been starting. So offensive line. Secondarily, we just highlighted Leon a little bit here, going uh, going deep on their corner J. Allen Thomas, but that's that's the next big one in general is our wide receiver core. Their secondary is susceptible, even if they have all of their starters available, and they do not. So they already have some weaknesses in the back end that are exploitable. This is the 50-50 ball scenario. A large portion of the season when they faced wide receivers who could athletically outjump them, that's when they had difficulty. And just like we're going to be watching the other side of the ball to see what Corey Black's able to do against John Hay Walker, likewise, our wide receivers need to control this game. Now, the obvious and easy is obviously Ollie Gordon. 
So we're going to skip over that one a little bit. And we're just going to go down to quarterback. Will Alan Bowman be able to outduel the athletic Jalen Henderson? You can throw all the stats out the window for Texas A&M on this one. Because we don't know statistically what this version of Texas A&M would have looked like throughout the course of their schedule. You know, because they play in the SEC, it's just so much more difficult. Let's send a message here. Because if it if you do lose, we'll never hear the end of it. And if, and if we win, everyone will say, well, of course you won. They were losing half the roster. But you all know if it's even close, if it's a two-point game, like the, um, the betting line has it, if it's a two-point game, if we win by two, that's a disappointment. And then we'll hear about you almost got beat by a team with nothing but backups. So we just need to send the message. Starts with the offensive line, our wide receiver core, and our DBs. That's another thing that, that keeps getting brought up is our secondary. That we do allow a lot of yards. Okay. We are the very, very, very back end of the Big 12 in a lot of your defensive passing categories. So you'd be right as a Texas A&M fan to try to exploit that area. I'm here to say, go on right ahead. Because what the stats don't always tell is how often our secondary comes up with turnovers in crucial moments. Do we give up a lot of yards? Yes. Is it kind of bend but don't break? Unfortunately, yes. But if you look a lot of these fourth quarters, it hasn't necessarily been the offense leading us back to a lot of W's. It's been the defense that has been able to stand up and get multiple turnovers to give our offense time to come back. A lot of our comebacks have been because the defense was able to step up and get some big-time turnovers. And This is even after teams have already put up 400 yards on us. So... The first three quarters, yeah, statistically, Oklahoma State defense is pretty porous in the back end. But if you were just to take a cutout of just the fourth quarters, I think you would see a considerably different numerical value associated with this secondary. Plus, we get some time to prepare. We don't know what we're preparing for, but I don't think that our secondary is under any confusion here. a is going to try to take the top off. They're going to try to use the RPO to set up some play action, but also try to get Jalen Henderson uh, a little bit more mobile. Nick Martin's got the, the quarterback spy situation figured out. Our back end can do some work. We still have not seen the best out of Kendall Daniels. I don't even think we've come close to seeing the best out of Kendall Daniels. Maybe we see some of that this game. Maybe we see somebody like a Cam Epps prove that the up-and-comers are already there. I mean, guys, we're getting Lyric Rolls back. We're getting Justin Wright back. Looks like we could get Trey Rucker back. Offensive line, do your daggone thing. And that'll sort quite a bit out. Alan Bowman, do your thing. Throw some dimes, throw some in the seats, it'll be all right. 
and the Kendall Daniels led secondary. This is the area they're going to try to exploit. You have to know that. Brian Nardo surely knows that. So go, go prove a point here. Go make a statement that the starting roster for Oklahoma State is light years ahead of the starting roster of a halfway SEC team. And then you take in consideration they're missing a bunch of people, it puts them at the bottom. So this should be a whooping. Bet the over. Make your money. That's fine. Whatever the over is on Ollie, take it. Whatever the over is on Leon Johnson, take it. Whatever the under is for Texas A&M, might want to take that too. Now, we might play nice the first half, all right, for ratings and eyeballs and viewership. <laughs> but I want a boat racing in the second half, y'all. Oh, good job, KU, for getting us back on track in Big 12 play. Now it's our turn to do our job. The Oklahoma State Cowboys, a.k.a. the Oklahoma A&M Aggies, will get the W simply because people are underestimating the talent level in Stillwater. I'm so tired of hearing, well, look at o Oklahoma State's recruiting. They still don't really stand a chance. I'm tired of hearing it, especially from Aggies. Matter of fact, Josh Pate did a, did a deal of, um, I don't remember how many votes, a couple few thousand votes, but <clears throat> who are the most insufferable fan bases if they were good? A&M was number one. I think they're probably right. I mean, we remember them in the Big 12. They did like to talk quite a bit, but we also had a pretty cordial rivalry type thing. I enjoyed playing Texas A&M. I was actually mad that they left the conference. I ain't mad anymore. I won't be mad after we boat race these Aggies with our Aggies. All right, y'all. You know I love you. As always, God bless. Go Pokes, and thank you for tuning in to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. You could be anywhere. So happy you choose to be here. Hit the like button if you like it. Share, comment, subscribe. All my podcasting people out there, drive safe, travel safe, subscribe. I love you. Later, taters.